It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joe Medor and Andrew Allison on this third day, November 6.06 on the clock and 48 degrees and sunny outside here in Southeast Ohio. Sports fan presented by JK Contracting. It's a Wednesday and it is a good Wednesday for Bobcat fans as they regain the, uh, they try to start a winning streak against the Miami Redhawks. They uh, snapped their losing streak two seasons in a row. Back in 18 and 19, they lost uh, no game in 2020, but the Bobcats win yesterday. 35-33. It was a game that could have given you a heart attack, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to uh, you know we'll talk about that game coming up uh, a little bit later in the show as we've got Russ Helpman to call in at the top uh, as always here on this uh, Russ Wednesday. But guys, how are you? I mean, it's a uh, it was a cold day yesterday. Both of you guys were at the Bobcat game, and uh, I was just it was some game. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was crazy. It's one of those where you sit there and go, all right, 28 nothing, Midway through, like, the third quarter, you're thinking they're coasting through, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, oh God, this is a game. Yeah, I told Andrew's going to be tied by the end of the third quarter at one point. <laughs> I um, thought it would. I thought they'd it, have it the was, lead. It was heading towards dangerous waters there, but the defense made a couple fourth down stops when they needed to that were huge. Um, uh, and, you know able to score a touchdown late to put him up nine. I didn't un- quite understand uh, Miami's decision down by nine to go for two at that point because, you know, you're going to need a two-point conversion when you're down by, what was it? They were down 15, right? Yeah, it was 15. So you're going to need a two-point conversion at, at some point regardless of that. And I don't know, if you if you don't get it there, as you saw what happened to Miami, they were down by nine. You need two scores at that point. You kick the extra point. You're down by eight. You give yourself more time. Um, and I'm sure there's some kind of analytical reason as to why that decision was made by the Red Hawks. But uh, it didn't work out in their favor. And then they never really got it. They never got the ball back with it being a one possession game. Uh, and if they had kicked an extra point, they would have had a couple opportunities at that. And then Ohio gave a scare because they almost didn't recover the onside kick after after stopping the two point conversion, which would have completely taking away all momentum that they maybe had, but they are able to tough it out, come out on top. Um, it's a shame they can't get a win against Miami in a year where it matters all too much, but um, it's always good to beat them. Uh, they've had a lot of success over my, I think they're 12 and three in the last 15 years against Miami now. Yeah. And to your point, you mentioned there may have been some analytical reason that they went for it there, but traditionally the analytics tells you to extend the game as long as possible. When it comes to that scenario. I bet you it. analytics said that if they make it a seven-point game at that point, their chances of winning go ex- extremely up. Yeah, but I think their chances of getting it there were extremely low. I don't make the analytics, Andrew. I'm just telling you what they <laughs> probably said. I don't think... I've, I've always heard analytics says extend the game. Well, either way, we got the uh, call on the line. I believe it's Russ Helpman. Russ, is that you? How we doing, fellas? Russ, it's good to have you on. It was a uh, a good game for the Bobcats. I'm sure you had to be proud of uh, of your alma mater last night, uh, defeating the Miami Redhawks, 35-33. How about that? I was a, a little missed. I couldn't stay up to watch the end of it, but 
they held on. I, I, I turned it off, and then I started getting notifications. It was Miami 21, Miami 28, and they were just like, uh-oh. Well, time to go to bed. Time to go to bed, assuming they won. And then, of course, they get it done at the end. But big win, huge win. If you can beat Miami every year, it makes a bad record taste less. It's a little bit sweeter. Yeah, and of course, you know, that probably lightened your mood from what was a disappointing loss for Cincinnati, 34-31 to the New York Jets uh, last Sunday. Tough one, guys. Really tough one. They did not take care of business the way that I thought they would. The defense was a big storyline in this one to me. I, I thought the offense did enough, obviously. We're still creating a bunch of explosive plays. We're still able to lead on that aspect of the game. I was excited to see Keith Hagel get going on that side of the ball. And it was just another day where Joe Burrow showed you how high his floor is. And here or there, he's not going to have his best outing. But he did enough, obviously, for this team to win the football game besides making that crucial mistake. They always seem to be coming at the worst times of the season. The interception, the first interception since 2020 for the good old New York Jets to basically flip the entire feeling around the game. And that was it, fellas. That, when that happened, it was like, okay, they are in trouble. And to me, it, it just feels like one of those games where I, after I said it about it on Twitter, just flush it and move on. It's, it's one of those situations where I, I do feel this team could have made a couple more adjustments here or there. But it was just one of those days where they missed a bunch of tackles, 15 on the day, their season high. With the year, they're coming into the year according to the football record, they're like 42 missed tackles. So, which for you to put up over a quarter of your missed tackles through seven games in one contest, it just goes to show that to me it's a little bit of an outlier. You got to tip your cap to Mike, Mike White. I was making fun of him, calling him an NCAA 14 quarterback, and he was prototypical in that sense, fellas, just going through his reads, getting the ball out on time, and letting his team go to work. I believe I saw that where it was the most yards after catch allowed by a defense in 2004 mm. in the NFL. So that, to me, drives home a point this week where maybe against lesser talent like that, don't just stick to your guns, play your stuff, and play a little bit soft. Bring a little bit more heat. Bring a little bit more of an edge to be able to drive it home into your opponent and keep the foot down on the gas throughout the entire game. But to lose a 31-20 lead with seven minutes to go and over 95% win probability, is a really tough thing to stomach, especially in an AFC guy that is completely wide open. Russ, I mean, as you said, you scoring 31 points. Obviously, the offense had a really good day. But one aspect, uh, the Jets' run defense did a really good job. Mixon really never got going. Um, do you, what yeah. do you think the Jets did to uh, be so effective against the Bengals' uh, running game? That's the best part of their team. And it's obviously one of the weak points for this offense right now. It is the weak point. It's that center position with Trey Hopkins, who looks like a shell of himself coming off of that ACL injury, it always kind of didn't sit well with me that even if he was getting cleared like that, I don't know. Like, I, think I, I do feel like they could have kept Trey Hopkins on the bend a little bit longer, but they, they planned for him to be there, and he is just not coming through consistently every week. He played a little bit better for a stretch there over this uh, over these past couple of weeks and then fell off a cliff there against New York. And then on the other side, next to him, Jackson Carmen playing hurt. He looks bad not look healthy at all on the inside. So those two spots were picked on by the interior of that Jets defense. Uh, I believe they also got C.J. Mosley back last week of the little mistaken. So the fact that they had him in the middle 
They had the big boys up front, which that's been the strength of this Jets team throughout the last three or four years. If they've had a strength, it's always been in the middle of that defensive line. They just shut it down. They were more dominant. They they had a way better push on the Bengals, and it was clear from the start that they were going to have a tough time running the ball, even despite that. Joe Burrow was able to uh, put a bunch of plays downfield. But obviously, guys, you go from when you when you have Joe Mixon as one of the leading rushers in the AFC, it's clear that that's part of their identity. That was missing you right from the offense on Sunday. Russ, what, what kind of happened with that, that secondary there? They were playing really good, and then all of a sudden, like you said, everyone thought Mike White, oh, that's a, that's a cupcake game for him. They gave up 405 yards to him, three touchdowns. What, what was the real downfall for him? Were they just, was it a coaching thing, or was it just that that secondary kind of started to fall back to what preseason we may have thought it would have been? I think it was just, it was just a lot of mistackles. It was a lot of weird coverage breakdowns, and, and, like, guys, it's not like he was out there bobbing deep balls on him. No. This is literally, like I said, the record for yak in a game. Mm. Like, he put the ball in Ty Johnson's hands, he put the ball in Michael Carter's hands, he put the ball in Jamison Crowder's hands. On time with his read, you got to tip your cap to him. But I just think he kind of took the Bengals by surprise. You walk in there, obviously you preach all week. Not to have the mentality of, hey, we're five and two, we're made men go on throughout the NFL season the rest of the way to be able to uh, spend the rest of the as a playoff team. But I, I, any team, I think, is going to have that human element where you're going to be fooling yourself a little bit, especially when later in the week Corey Davis gets knocked. You're going up against Mike White, who has never taken a start in the NFL despite being drafted in 2018. When you start to let all, these, all this stuff kind of creep in by osmosis, and I think it's one of those flush of games. And I and to me, it's something that I've seen out of the team all year long when you drop the game to, Pitt, to Chicago, you go back out and beat, uh, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and get the job done in the division right there. When you drop the game to the Green Bay Packers, you go back out and face a decrepit Detroit Lions team and blow them out, basically hold them to a shutout the next week on the road against the first-team offense and the first-team defense. So, to me, that's the mentality they need to have. We need to lick the wounds, get back up, and think, hey, we got a chance to get 3-0 in the division to start our season halfway through and really cap off the opening half of this campaign with, uh, with the high note. Yeah, bro, absolutely. Unless you mentioned, I think the word you used, you just got to flush this one and move on. Um, and then again, a big opportunity this upcoming week to, get, if you could start out 3-0 in the division, I mean, obviously, your odds of being able to take the division go up immensely. Um, how do you like the matchup with Cleveland? Obviously, a little banged up. Um, you know, we're not sure how healthy Baker is, and then there's uh, stuff creeping in about Odell and, and things like that. Obviously, a very, you know, interesting situation going on up there in Cleveland right now. So how do you like that matchup coming into this week? It's going to be very interesting, guys, because uh, Bengals right now, they need to run decently well. If you look at them, uh, them overall on defense, uh, I'd say it's, uh, it's, it's a good showing so far terms of what they have on the inside. DJ Reader, their best overall player uh, so far according to Pro Football Focus Rankings. And I think that's what the matchup's going to have to be. It's going to have to be Larry Ovechobe. He did lunch last year. Right? So I'm sure that they should decide to do a long-term deal directly inside. They need to take advantage of these issues along the offensive line in terms of health. And they need to have a front seven type of performance. Because this is a quarterback in Baker Mayfield that is limited. Let's be honest. He has a limited quarterback 
with a guy that can't really throw over the middle of the field. There's trouble seeing over that offensive line. It's clear. He can't get the ball to, to what is reportedly, quote unquote, the best overall player. Because on Beckham, nobody, nobody really saw it when they signed him or traded for him in Cleveland, but he's an over the middle field receiver with a point that they not a little player incapable of throwing over the middle of the field. And right now, it's just a banked up Brown team that is playing with the quarterback. I don't think it's very healthy. And this is a, this is a game for the front seven. Trey Hendrickson leading the league in pressure percentage so far uh, since 2020. This is a front seven type of football game that needs to be dominated by the Bengals' interior and not allow them to get a rushing rhythm. He then will be unlocked to play action. So they'll be able to hit a couple play action hits here or there. But to me, uh, I think it's a game where, like, he's got, like I said, DJ Rivera, and Joby, Trey Hendrickson, all those guys come back out, reassert their dominance, and say, hey, we're going to take control of the football game in the AFC North as the, as the uh, western winds start blowing in. There yeah, we got to see, again, uh, we said it before, but you got to flush this one, move on, and uh, you know it's a pretty important matchup for Cincinnati and uh, in Cleveland coming up again on Sunday. And even CBS will have their A team: Tony Romo, Jim Nance, uh, you know uh, oh. Tracy Wolfson, I think on the uh, on the sideline. So it will be a a big game. And you know if if Cincinnati wants to to prove everyone wrong, and if they want to continue proving themselves this season, it's a a must win game. You know this week. Well, exactly, and to bring one of the better defenses back home into their stadium, this is one that the AFC North is one, fellas. It's not one in September. It's not one in October. You build your team with this type of weather, with these type of games. You build your offensive line. Offensive line on the other side for the Bengals is a little bit worrying, and I'm not quite sure how well they're going to be able to contain Miles Garrett. But on the flip side of that, fellas, Miles Garrett's not going to be going inside very much. Weakness of the offensive line. Riley Reed, Jonah Williams have been, I would say, a top 10 pairing in terms of right and left tackle duos so far in the NFL season, and that's been a big key to Burrow's success and his ability to have to make one wiggle play every now and then in the pocket for a big game and an opportunity to make this pass downfield instead of three or four coming off of that ACL injury. So you bring a top 10 rushing EPA for play defense into this game. You bring one of the better quarterbacks, I would say, in the entire AFC. Going into the uh, New York Jets game, he was number one in adjusting net yards per attempt, according to Pro Football Reference. Still there in the top five, top seven of that metric overall in the league. So, to me, this is a game where it's time to reassert that the Cleveland Browns do not own that Baker Mayfield does not own five and one Baker Mayfield against the Bengals team. Only loss was in week 17 to Freddie Kitchens about to get fired. 2019. So, to me, that doesn't even really count that much. And this is the time where you can take back what was and what should be if you're going to win this division every single year. A dominant, dominant type of showing against the Cleveland Browns. Every time the Bengals have that playoff run, Ross, we always appreciate you carving out time on Wednesdays to be on the program with us. I know you have short time and you got a lot of other projects going on, but always appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, fellas. Keep, uh, keep up the good work. And we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, that's Russ Helpman, SI All Bengals. Online does a lot of great coverage with uh, you know Cincinnati. And, again, it's a, it's a big matchup for Cincinnati against Cleveland. Um, I take issue with one thing you said at the end of that. What? With me? 
the Bengals have their chance to prove everyone wrong this weekend? Well, prove I think their it, chance to prove everyone wrong was Baltimore. All right, but if they want to continue, yeah, but so to, they, the people have been drinking their Kool Aid the past two weeks. Right, but they it, came out lost to the Jets. Right, but after last week, and, and I said this, and I said it over air too. You know, I would take back everything I said if they lost to the Jets. Am I going to take back everything? Uh, most of everything, sure. Yeah, because that, that was a, to me, you know, it's not on the offense. Uh, but if, if you take a look at that game, you know, defense gives up 34 points. Offense has a costly turnover when it matters the most. You know, it, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow when you should have won that game. You know, you might not have been happy about it, uh, but you should have won that game on Sunday. With and 435, it, they had a 98.5% win percentage. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, you left Sunday with the bad taste in your mouth if you're a, a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And, you know, it's you got to flip the script this week. Is Maybe instead of proving wrong, you gotta, you got to flip the script. Uh, yes, you had a good win. You can't just say, you know, you don't want that win against Baltimore to be their highlight of the season. Right. I mean, they, they're coming in here with the mindset that, you know, things have changed in Cincinnati. Well, the next week, nothing changed. All right. You had an impressive win over Baltimore, but then you lose to the Jets the, the following week. You know, it's it was just a game that could not happen. That happened. And, uh, you know, it was, again, disappointing. But on the flip side, you have another chance here against the Browns to kind of put that onto the back burner, make some people forget about it. And, uh, you know, the Browns seem to be up to their old tricks, guys. I mean, with the whole Odell Beckham Jr. drama thing that's going on right now, uh, with how banged up the Browns are, you know, this is an opportunity ripe for the taking. Yeah, you're not very high on your Jets right now, Connor. Listen, I, and again, I love the Jets. I do. But I've been... I mean, they you know, stink. They're they bad. do. Right? And, and I, I understand that, that they are not a good football team. I do. But, you know, I, I, I'll root for them every single week. Yeah, we have the same song and dance every week. We know yeah. you're a Jets fan. You don't really watch. Exactly. They're bad. Yeah. Well, why we? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you guys brought it up, but I didn't bring anything up about you being Andrew did. Anyway, going with the Browns, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it, this is also a game where if you're Cincinnati, you don't win, then I think you start to downward spiral just because, like you talked about, injuries, the Odell Beckham situation, it's. It's one of those where it's all set up for Cincinnati to win. If they can't do it, which I, uh, maybe Denzel Ward, he, he just started back at practice, I think, today or yesterday. It, having him back, that would be a massive gain. He hasn't allowed more than 60 yards, I think, in any collegiate or pro start in his career. So uh, you put him on some. You put him on Jamar Chase. Hopefully he locks him down. And then that pushes either one of the other secondary to – cover Higgins maybe you think you got a shot but you just gotta find a way to be healthy your offensive line as Russ mentioned has a couple couple guys banged up who who knows how healthy Baker Mayfield actually is based off the way he was playing against Pittsburgh I'd say not very yeah man it, it that whole thing is I'm not suggesting Baker is better than Case Keenum I don't think he's leaps and bounds better though and at this point it's like should you just play a healthy Case Keenum than try to force a, a potentially, uh, you know, severely injured Mayfield out there? I don't know. It's it's weird. And and they did the same thing with Jarvis and Odell. They yeah. rushed them both back, and they both looked bad. Yeah. Like at some point in time, I I get with 
Baker, or no, sorry, with uh, OBJ and Landry, they also had Donovan Peoples-Jones injured, and that kind of left them with, well, anyone that can put on a uniform, we got to kind of put out there a wide receiver, but Case Keenum played great. He, okay, he played serviceable, good enough to win in the game that he started. I, I, I would have honestly thought they were going to put him out there for that Pittsburgh game. Yeah, and I don't think... I don't think Keenum is better than Mayfield at their best, but I think you know what you're going to get at Case Keenum at this point in his career. I mean, let's let's not forget he did one time lead a Vikings team to the NFC Championship game with Kevin Stefanski, right, as the coordinator. Yeah, right. And um, uh, it's it's just an interesting conversation. I don't, you know, I mean, Keenum's probably one of the best backups you could have. So, you know, and I know it's all. A weird situation. It's Mayfield's contract year this year, and obviously you're trying to figure out if he's the guy that you're going to use moving forward or not. But if he's hurt, throw all that out the window, man. you got to give put the best guy in that's going to give you at least a chance to win. I mean, you saw that offense last week. They had no shot to beat Pittsburgh. No. No shot. So, And if you score 10 points again, I seriously doubt you're going to beat the Bengals on Sunday. So, Yeah, no, I was waiting for Connor to ask for uh, Russ's prediction. It never came up. Oh, yeah, I, I think... You know, Russ's prediction is probably Cincinnati beats Cleveland. But yeah, and I can go, even I can text him to to get that prediction. But I'm going to go 27-17, Bengals. No, I lied. I'm going to go 24-14. I don't know. I mean, that the way that the offense looks for Cleveland right now, you're taking out you know Odell. It, Odell has been a non-factor yeah, all season. Losing long. Odell Beckham Jr. is really it, not that big of an issue, despite the fact that it's just drama. Right. Yeah. It's not, not all season long. It's pretty much been the whole time he's been in Cleveland. He hasn't lived up to the hype. And I, originally it was like, well, you know, Baker couldn't really get to go through the reads early on in his career. But now now I, I just don't know what, what to tell him. They should have probably tried to deal him at the trade deadline. And, and, and his contract makes it so difficult for any team to pick up Odell. Um, and you know, if I remember correctly, when he was traded from the Giants to to Cleveland, you know, he demanded that massive uh, yeah, he had already contract. Signed the con- he had already signed the contract. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, with with the Giants, or with the uh, with, with the Cleveland? Giants, the yeah. Browns have never signed him to any contract. He's been uh, on yeah. the same contract the whole time. I, yeah, but I, I think that he demanded that big contract from the Giants, and then you know, Giants uh, and the Giants traded him. Yes. Yeah, and the Giants traded him. Uh, but he has that was a big. That's why it was such a shock because they paid him all that money and they traded him. And yeah. in, in fairness, is David Gettleman really considered that that genius of a GM? No, I mean the the Giants are not a good football team either this year. Um, um it, it's still out on the Browns. Uh, they're just four and four in this year. But season's over. Sheesh, season's over. At least that's the way it felt like after that Steelers game. Uh, I mean, you have a, a question mark at your quarterback. You know, wide receivers aren't really doing too much. You've been banged up at running back a little bit this season, but with Nick Chubb coming back and uh, and Johnson as your backup, I mean, I think you've been pretty happy with with how your running back situation has been. Um, yeah, it's Cleveland's just injured, and I don't know. Does it make a difference if Odell is if, if Beckham Jr. is is uh, is healthy from the get go? No. You know, are we still having this conversation about Odell? Yes. And on top of that, you know. Uh, Kevin Stefanski said out there, and, and there was a message out there to his team, 
And I guess, you know, they're just considering Odell Beckham Jr. not a part of, of the Cleveland Browns for the remainder of this season. Yeah, he's been excused from practices, and they're basically treating it as if he's not on the is team. Is that verified? I, I mean, that the sources verified. I saw were not. No, that that came from uh, one of the beat writers. Okay. Right. I, I thought that was Scheffner who uh, at least put it out there. I never saw. It. I just saw a couple of non-verified people tweet it out. Obviously, you usually take those with a grain of salt, but. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure a national uh, reporter you know, put that out there. And I mean, that's the bizarre situation altogether because, you know, I know. I just don't understand what the whole Odell thing in Cleveland and people act like, you know, people say he makes the offense worse. And it, it's hard to say different, but it's also like, how can a guy that talented on your team, how can you not find ways to get him the ball, to get him the ball and let him have success? I don't understand that. Right. And at the NFL level, right, at the pro football level, and this is unnecessary I know people drama. think he's a diva and all this other stuff, well, and that's why, and they'll probably just point to that as to why he can't have success. But that's a load of, well, I'm if not, you're talented, you're talented. I'm not going. Terrell Owens was a quote-unquote a diva. He's one of the best receivers of all time. I'm not going diva rat. I'm going, what's his dad calling out Baker Mayfield for? You know? Know. They also said in, uh, also in their post-practice media scrums, they asked uh, Baker if he thought that, his dad was speaking on behalf of him, and he's it, he basically gave the, oh, I don't know anything about that. Like he obviously his dad wants him to succeed. I wanted him to succeed. I, I, I don't can't say that he's speaking for anyone or who he's speaking for, but I, I was just uh, kind of shocked, not really hurt, but just shocked, like all of the reporters were. Yeah, I mean it, it's just he did handle it like a professional. I will say Baker Mayfield did. You have injuries coupled with off-the-field drama, and that's not a good recipe to, to try to put together. Why should that be off-the-field drama, though? It's a like, dad. He's just nowhere near the locker room. If you're a good head coach, that doesn't affect your locker room. But obviously, with it being a big story right now, it is affecting to them to a certain degree. How? How? So how? Why should it? That's creating drama. Where's Odell's dad at? When the media, he's, not, he's not in the locker room. When the media consistently asks you questions after practice about it, I mean, that's out of the coach's hand. When the players are getting tweeted about, not the players getting tweeted about, when the, all the people that cover the team and the national media is tweeting about it, it does eventually have to be addressed. Yep. And again, it's just another thing that the Browns have to deal with heading into what is an important matchup against Cincinnati on Sunday. You know, it's a road game for the Browns. Uh, you know, they, they want to put all this drama, they want to put all the, the, the questions aside and accomplish what they set out to accomplish at the beginning of this year, which on paper they were the most talented team, you know, heading into this season. And obviously with the injuries, with, you know, the lack of, uh, you know, the regression, whether it be because of injury or, or what else with Baker Mayfield and Odell, um, you know, they, they just haven't lived up to the expectations. So it's disappointing for the Browns this season. I don't know if I would go as far as to say their season's over, uh, like the resident Browns fan has said on, on the show today, but... Um, you know, it's definitely a different feel, a different atmosphere surrounding Cleveland uh, than it has been. No one's know, talking about the long. Super Bowl anymore, that's for sure. No, no, they are not. we got to step aside for a quick break. We'll talk about the Ohio Bobcats in their big rivalry game, their big rivalry win over the Miami Ohio Red Hawks yesterday, and be right back after this. Sports Fan presented by J.K. Contracting right here on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. 
From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. Trimble Tomcats shut out Fisher Catholic 38 to nothing and advanced to the second round of the OHSA playoffs against the East Knox Bulldogs. Athens County Playoff Football is brought to you by State Farm Insurance Agency Agent Shauna Stump, Park National Bank, Hocking College, Lake Hope, Larry's Doghouse, Steak and Shake, Snyder, Fuller, and Stroh, and Athens Dental Depot. Here are the Trimble Tomcats on 970 and 97.1 FM WATH, online at 970WATH.com. It's when we dig deep. Loses it to Bjorkstrand, leads it now for Texier, steps around his man, left wing circle. To do the right thing at the right moment. All the way around behind the net, wrap around and score! Nice shoot, Tex! It's our blue, and out of our blue, we rise. Choose the games you want and flexible payment options with the Blue Jackets ticket plan for the 2021-2022 season. Text TICKET to 26791 for more information. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills of the Mike with Joe Medora and Andrew Allison up until 7 o'clock today. Columbus Blue Jackets have come your way at 8.30 tonight. Blue Woo. Jackets, another game. Yeah, playing yeah. good, playing hot. I yeah. like it. And it's a young team, too. So that's uh, that's at least exciting and and uh, yeah you know. not, they were not supposed to be good this year. I was one of the few people that was high on them. Well, congratulations to you then. Well, it's uh, still early in the season. A, I think I described it at the beginning of the program as a you know a heart attack, <laughs> a little bit of a game yesterday. Uh, you had Ohio up twenty eight to nothing. Right, was Ohio it, was it midway through the third, or yeah. was there a little more than midway? All the way. I mean, they were dominating that game, twenty-eight nothing, into the third quarter. Right, you're after halftime. You know, your your first half slump you know, didn't happen. You know, they they poured it on in the third, and then Miami came back. Miami made it interesting, and how you have Gabbert throw for four hundred and ninety-two yards. Hey, hey, his brother is like a first-round draft pick. As a finalist, and and that's that's it fine. runs in the veins, baby. It's in the DNA. But you have Sorensen, two hundred and eighty-three yards. You could not stop one guy, and he goes fourteen receptions for two hundred and eighty-three yards and two touchdowns. Now I'll give him credit; they were able to close the game and finish. It was a very rocky close, and it was a very you know shaky finish. But Ohio finished the game. And they won by two, 35-33. And you also have to give credit, you know, where credit's due to special teams, right? Special teams were able to block a field goal attempt. Uh, they were lucky enough that... D- that defensive I, special teams, not offensive special yes, teams. Yes, defensive <laughs> special teams. Um, you know, they blocked the field goal attempt. 
They you know, disrupted the extra point kicker, and, and it went wide left, I believe, and, and missed. Uh, so you have four points right there that's unaccounted for. And if you know, this game continues to go on, and you can't play the what-if game, you can't change anything. Uh, but that's four points left off the board, and those four points would have given Miami you know, the win uh, down the stretch. And you can't say that everything's going to go the way that it was going to go. But uh, you know, special teams stepped up big for Ohio defensively. And, uh, you know, with that blocked field goal, um, Isaiah Cox, six receptions, 106 yards, two touchdowns, uh, Tuggle breaks free. And, you know, you heard on the postgame show, if you were listening on our sister station, uh, WXTQ Power 105, uh, you know, the interview with, with Russ and the head coach of the Bobcats, Tim Albin. And, you know, I, I get it on two fronts, right? It, it makes, you know, I'm, I'm torn. I, at the moment... You know, I was happy for Demontre Tuggle. You know, it's it's a third down. Uh, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to keep the clock moving and see what they can do. And, and Tuggle busts out for a uh, a long 48-yard touchdown run. Uh, what, uh, what was it? A 46-yard touchdown run. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, great. You know, Ohio extends their lead. That almost, that should just put this game to rest. And then I didn't realize it until the interview here, Andrew, that, you know what, had Tuggle just was came up short had he just picked up the first down and slid you know this game's probably on ice and, and you don't have to score and you, and you win it a little bit earlier on than you did um uh, yeah i didn't realize that you know until you know albin mentioned it um uh, but i don't blame tuggle in a one in six aside i don't blame tuggle you, no before the oh, he took your thing from before the show yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> no, I'm, I was waiting for it to happen. That's dirty, Connor. No, listen, we were no, going, Connor, that's dirty, man. No, listen, I, if I'm going to pick a side, I don't mind DeMontre Tuggle running it uh, in. I see what Albin was saying. I understand it from a coaching standpoint. Um, but you're at a 117, you know, go in and score. You know, he's he's got to show out. I think I heard that there was a, a Ravens scout at the game. Um you know, I don't know who he was looking at, who he was scouting in, in this game. I'm going to go with the wide receiver that had 203 yards. <laughs> Probably Sorensen. Yeah, um, Ravens do love drafting receivers, so not very good ones, though. But again, you know, it's it's something I didn't realize until he, he mentioned it in the postgame show. And not a stance he took until I mentioned it <laughs> pre-broadcast. Yes, Andrew, well, please share share your share your take on it. My take was is yeah, I, I told you when we were sitting there, I was like, yeah, he steps out, the game's probably over. But how the hell do you tell a kid on a one and seven football team? It's his last. Don't score. Yeah, it's his last year. year. Don't yeah. score. His last battle of the bricks. It's he hasn't had his compared. To I don't think it's worth making a story out of, really. All right, I'm I'm not making a story out of it, but it was just something that was mentioned in the post game, and I I thought I may well mention. Maybe it. Coach Alvin should be making a story out of it. I, you know, it's well, he said it was on him, right? I mean, it was Alvin took responsibility for it and said, you know what, you know, I I should have told Tuckle just to slide, stay in bounds, slide, get tackled, you know, before you score, and you know, game's over at that point because Miami had no no more timeouts left. I mean, I don't think anybody thought they were going to break that run, honestly, because I mean, the last few drives, they weren't able to milk they weren't able to salt the game away running the football. And boy, did Armani miss a, a 
Oh yeah. my lord! If if Armani uh, makes Tim that Alvin throw, had to be Alvin, so mad. Alvin, I mean, set that play up perfectly. Yeah. As oh, I think Andrew said, long. he was like, "You set that play up for nine weeks, running Armani on the jet <laughs> sweeps, and then they get him, and they get the guy on the backside wide open, and he just underthrew it." Ah, that was that was a game right there. They could have right. ended on that play. Ty Walton was all by himself. Yeah, I mean, forget about you know Tuggle running and not sliding and going in for the the score, but. You know, if, if you go forward and, and um, you know, early in that game, Vermonti just hits his guy wide open, game's over. There are multiple times in this game where it should have been game over. But, you know, they, they let him hang around. Miami just did not give up, and, you know, they, they made it close. Um, it was a little bit of a, a, a shaky way, again, on special teams on those onside kicks. I think Tuggle, you know, bobbled one, and I don't know who came out with it uh, at, at the end. I think, he, I think he ended up getting it back. What, I don't I, think it was him who recovered. No. I, think, I think on ESPN it said he recovered, too. Uh, Tuggle, Tuggle might have recovered, too. There were three onside kicks. Well, I would assume, I would have assumed that the two, one of the two would have been that one. Somebody else recovered the first one. I don't know how Miami didn't recover that. I mean, that was just a missed yeah. opportunity itself. I mean, they, Ohio, they flirted with danger in that fourth quarter, especially those last five minutes again. For sure, and I'm sure if you're a Bobcat fan and you watch that Buffalo game, you're like, here we go again. But they're able to make that big run play when they needed to, and, you know, luckily, you know, they built up that 28-point lead to have to protect and sit back a little bit and, you know, made enough plays. That's that's all I did. I mean, Miami, I mean, for them to come out that flat in that game, you know, it, it reminds you a bit of what Ohio's done against them on the flip side. I mean, a couple of years ago, back in 2018, Ohio went out to Oxford. Very similar situation. Not a so great Miami team. Ohio, whole season out in front of them. All they do have to do is beat them, and they're probably in the MAC title game because they beat the breaks off Buffalo the week after that and came out flat, got behind big, much like Miami did. And very similar, he almost stayed a comeback, but Miami was able to hold them off. And it was kind of a very similar situation to them to that last night and like that Ohio team back in 2018 Miami's Mac hopes aren't done but now you need a lot of help yeah you do yeah. I mean you could have controlled your own destiny with a win yesterday um, but luckily hey well, sucks for them Toledo lost last night right and Toledo was tied at the top of the Toledo's record. on the other side of the, or the Mac. Uh, who was oh it was Kent State Kent State was Kent uh, State plays tonight they were tied with yeah did you guys see in the Toledo game where they brought the chains out to measure the spot. And it was like halfway up the chains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, they did. It wasn't that egregious in the Ohio game last night, but it was. Uh, they, they tweeted out two pictures. One was of the Ohio game, which was closer. But yeah, last night's uh, with with uh, Toledo and Eastern Michigan, that one wasn't even uh, remotely close. No, I think it was like it was a yard or a little less. I, might, I think it might have been more. There might have been a yard and a half. It was. <laughs> it was like. The ball was clearly a yard marker past where their where the chain was. <laughs> was it was it one of the Barstool guys? Yeah, I think so. Might have been Portnoy or um, Barstool. I know no guy. context college football tweeted it out. Yeah, they did. Um, but uh, you know, like you said, it, it it creates another weird situation because you you have a quarterback in Curtis who played well in a game and it's like all right i guess we're gonna run with him for the rest of the season but no if they come out next week against eastern michigan and get off to a slow start do you change quarterbacks again or do you think curtis is permanently the guy the rest of this season so in, going into the season you know i right now right if you take a look at it curtis still has a couple more years of eligibility left 
right? So Curtis is probably your quarterback, you know, at least, if not for the remainder of this year, he's going to be a quarterback next year or the year after, right? Unless somebody comes up, challenges him for the starting spot, and, and you know, I don't know who they have in the quarterback room behind him right now, uh, Harris maybe. But uh, with Armani Rodgers, you know, this is his last year of eligibility. You know, Rodgers isn't going to come back next year. Uh, so if, if you're going to go, if if I'm the coach, I go, all right, you know, Curtis is probably going to be our quarterback of the future. I'm going to give Curtis as much experience as possible and then kind of use Armani like he did in, in yesterday's game. And, you know, when there's a, a best opportunity like that play that unfortunately just didn't go their way, um, you know, use Armani for those situations. But, you know, for the development of Curtis Rourke, I think you have to play him. Yeah. Yeah, no, you have to play Curtis the rest of the way. I, like you mentioned, you can sit there and say, well, he, he was on the team. He got practice if you don't play him the three games. But everything, the most valuable of all of that is game reps. Sure. You're not going to learn as much if you don't have the game reps. And I found the picture, and yes, it's about a yard and a half short <laughs> yeah. on that chain. But, yeah. But also, yeah, and he played, I mean, maybe his best game in a in an Ohio uniform last night. I mean, he even had some explosive running plays. Uh, he did a good job on those speed options. He loved the run of when to pitch in and when to turn it up the field and get yardage himself. Uh, seemed like he's getting more comfortable with the read option aspect of the offense as the season goes on, which is huge. Obviously, you know, We've, we've proven that Tim Albin, as long as he's in charge of the offense, is not going to be taking the read option, run option with the quarterback out of his system. So Curtis is going to have to continue to get comfortable with that. I think he ran it well enough last night to suffice, beating what was a pretty solid Miami team coming in. Um, Got to continue to build on that, and he threw the ball around pretty well as well. Yeah, I think I saw a stat on the ESPN broadcast because they had that up uh, in the press box as well. Um, Curtis is the second quarterback since 2019 to have three passing touchdowns in back-to-back games, plus 250 yards uh, passing, and he matches what his brother did back in 2019. Um, So, again, you know that he's talented. You know that the arm is there, and I guess it's just kind of the decision-making and getting those game reps and and getting snap after snap, getting that practice um, to really nail it down. Because when you're running that read option, yeah, it's it's that judgment call. Do you keep it or do you pitch it off to Tuggle or whoever your running back is, Allison potentially? Um, or no, you... I'm not on the field. Yeah, and I mean that also comes with what people. What goes very with the read option offense is that that you know that ride and decide relationship that the quarterback and running back have to have. That's something that you need to practice over and over again. That running back needs to know or you know be able to feel in his gut when the quarterback's going to want to pull it out, so he knows not to roll over it completely. And then, because you see the situations where the running back, it gets too far, and the running back thinks it's his, and the quarterback tries to pull it out, and the ball comes out. So that's something that he needs to get worked on. And you're going to need to learn your running backs, because each one is different. You have to have the chemistry with them, with that, with that read and holding in the belly, and you know, figure out between the two of you, you know, when the quarterback's giving it to you and when he's pull, trying to pull it out. Because obviously, if you don't have that relationship, you know, it can go you know, bad really quick. Yeah, but again, it was a, a nerve-wracking, but a good win for Ohio. You know, I think that Russ Helpman earlier on said it best. It might have been a lost year this year, but whenever you beat the Miami Redhawks, uh, it is still, yeah, you can take something positive out of this season, and hopefully they build upon it, right? I think it's Eastern Michigan next week, and then uh, Toledo the week after before they finish Bowling Green home. 
Yeah, um, that sounds right. Or no, Toledo's the, the last home game. Bowling Green is on the way uh, on the road. Um, but again, it's something to build off of. You know, obviously, I think they have a, an offense now that you know at the beginning of the year just wasn't going anywhere. Um, but that offense looks better and better. Uh, the defense for the first half and a little bit into the third quarter uh, looked improved. Uh, obviously. It looked improved until they got <laughs> laxed. Yes, and then yeah, then I mean. They, but that, which happens when you're up forced. Yeah, you know, college is weird like that. It, and it happens in the NFL, too, honestly, more than it should. But, you know, it's it like I think there's a human element to this thing. And people don't take into effect that when you are winning by four scores. Yeah, you do kind of calm down and step back a little bit. And I'll take it a step forward, too. I mean, one of their captains, one of their leaders, Kai Caesar, went out with injury. Right. And I think that was some point in the third quarter. So when you have a big guy on the defensive line. Uh, like Kai Caesar and, and how pivotal he is to that defense, and he's out of the game, you know, you're going to take a couple of steps back because that's one of the, your, your big guys that you depend on. Uh, so hopefully Kai Caesar you know, is back into the game uh, next Tuesday. Um, but, you know, it, it's something to wait and see. You know, hopefully he's healthy. Uh, I heard somebody went down with an ACL injury for Ohio. Um, so, you know, injuries hopefully won't pile up uh, down the stretch. But you never know. Uh, Eastern Michigan next week on Tuesday. Um, it'll be interesting for us because we'll have the Ohio men's game right here on 970 WATH. Russ Eisenstein, Rob Cornelius will be in Ypsilanti with uh, Ohio football, and then Jay Cremata will call a game uh, right here. And this is the only radio station that you can get the Ohio men's basketball team uh, for next Tuesday with that conflict of time between football and men's basketball. We'll step aside for another quick break right here on The Sports Fan. Be right back and talk a little bit about the CFP rankings which came out uh, yesterday. And as I don't know if, if Joey and, and Andrew are happy about it, but I am not happy about them. And it goes back to the same complaints that I go back years. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. That most adults with autism are unemployed, and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities. That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the Jay Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit autismspeaks.org/employment. Two whole dollars gets a whole lot of breakfast at McDonald's. With two for $2 mix and match breakfast, the combinations are practically endless. Mix and match a buttery sausage biscuit with a hot sausage McMuffin or golden crispy hash browns. And get both for just $2. That means a sausage biscuit with hash browns today, sausage McMuffin and sausage biscuit tomorrow. And maybe two hash browns for the day after tomorrow. Now get two breakfast faves for just $2. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The Nelson Villiard Buckeyes defeated Sunderburg 42-9 last week and traveled to Beverly to take on the top-seeded Fort Fry Cadets in the second round of the OHSA playoffs. Athens County Playoff Football is brought to you by State Farm Insurance Agency Agent Shauna Stump, Park National Bank, Hocking College, Lake Hope, Larry's Doghouse, Steak and Shake, Snyder, Fuller, and Stroh, and Athens Dental Depot. Here's the Nelsonville York Buckeyes starting at 650 on 105.5 FM and online at wxtq.com slash power105. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion.
information. And don't forget, they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Sports fan, 979 at some point, 1 FM, WATH. Those are Mike with Joe Medor, Andrew Allison, up until 7 o'clock. Columbus Blue Jackets come your way at 8.30 tonight. So, guys, I know we have this conversation year in and year out with the college football playoff oh, rankings. Oh, boy, here comes a Millsy outrage. Well, I am. Here it comes. I'm disappointed. Everyone I'm, get the pitchforks oh. and your, your canes, if you believe with them. Listen. I feel like this is going to be an old... Person take. Cincinnati should be a top four team in the college football playoff rankings. I'll give you that. Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati, the Bearcats are 8-0 with a top 10 win on the road. They should be in over either Oregon, Michigan State, maybe Al- probably Alabama too. Um, but again, wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. What, what, their Michigan State's resume isn't better than Cincinnati's? Uh, yeah, you, you, you didn't help your case there by saying Michigan State. There's Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, and then, I don't know. They're one of, they're, those are the three teams with the power. All right, top ten win. Right. Those three teams, and I don't know who the fourth should be. Right. right? Georgia has a top ten win. I mean, it beat Clemson. Well, <laughs> that doesn't count. Not <laughs> this year. It was, this it was year. a top ten win at the time. That's how it works. Now, was it? Maybe that's the one I was looking at. Well, it's, I don't know how you can go throughout this season right now. Year in and year out, the group of five does not get any love from the CFP, and this year is a deserving year for Cincinnati. They're on the feed. They're 8-0. They've taken care of everybody that they've had to play. with. A, and again, they've got a top-10 win on the road. Uh, Cincinnati yeah. should be a top-four team in these rankings. And if, they're, if they go undefeated, I know it's difficult for you know Cincinnati in, in their conference you know for... Uh, why? If, then, if they're a top fourteen, why should it be difficult in that crappy conference? Well, no, no it's diff- if they lose, it will be difficult for them. Well, to they lose are done. Yeah, right. Sorry. Right. Like, don't lose Hunter, in the it's American. It's difficult for them to get in if they it, win. Right. right. If Cincinnati is undefeated which, for the remainder of the season, they should be a top four team. Which they I will have two more top twenty-five uh, yeah, wins. I won't argue that. I don't understand how there's such a discrepancy between the AP and the college football rankings. Um, I think that's what's being called into question mostly. I think the best point was AP is, you know, respected writers, coaches, everybody. That's what gets voted on for that. And then you have these guys who are, you know, commissioners or former or, you know, just... Former coaches. Yeah. Or actually sometimes current ADs. Yeah, who meet and they just seem to have a completely different outlook on things and everybody else in the college football world. That's where I think it gets a little Uh, strange there. Where I get... And look at it and go, oh, you've like, got to be kidding. Oh, sorry, go ahead and finish your point. I think Oregon is the one here that's a joke. I know, I don't know, man. Like, it's, they claim it's based on the eye test. That's BS if you think Oregon's better than Ohio State right now. Looking Oregon at, lost to Stanford, man. Like, looking at it yeah. now, I'm obviously biased. I'm an Ohio State fan. The past three weeks for Oregon have not been good. And Ohio State has been pretty darn good. Yes, however... I don't really mind. And it Cincinnati right now. hasn't been that good, but they've won. I don't mind Oregon being ranked there right now, ahead of OSU. 
maybe not four, probably should not be four, but ahead of OSU. I honestly, I would have put OSU at probably six. Uh, I would have bumped Cincinnati where Oregon mm-hmm. is at, Oregon at five, OSU at six, just because right now I think you, you do have to kind of go with the head-to-head. However, if OSU wins out and Oregon wins out, OSU gets in every time because who they would have to play. They'd have to beat Michigan State, beat Michigan, and then presumably beat either Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, who'd yeah, also mean, be ranked. I don't think Oregon wins out. No, I don't think so either. The one where I sit there and go, oh, you got to be kidding me, is they just completely set up two SEC teams getting in. If Alabama beats Georgia. Well, that was going to happen anyway, but I don't see how you could say Alabama's number two right now. Yeah, no way they can say that right now. Michigan State would have probably been my number two. Also, they really just told Oklahoma, you've looked awful, we're putting you at eight. Yeah, which is completely fair. Which is fair for me, but I, I just don't... I sent you the picture. But is that not the same with... I'm not... Is that not the same with Cincinnati? They haven't looked good the past couple of weeks, so they're not in the top four. Yeah, but... I haven't looked at Oklahoma's schedule. What's their big win? Sure. Is Since Notre Dame Cincinnati's that big of a win? Yeah, they got them at the 10th ranked team in the nation right now on the road. Connor's looking at their schedule. What do they got? Their best one's probably Texas or something. A close win against Nebraska, 23-16. Trevor's happy uh, about I know that. the schedule. I mean, they beat Texas. Probably Texas. Yeah, Texas 55-48. And they came from one behind. Like yeah, I understand. Uh, well, why are we arguing Oklahoma? See, this is... No, I'm just right. saying... I'm not saying Oklahoma should be ranked. I'm just saying they did tell Oklahoma, look... Or not, they should be ranked, but not up there. They did tell Oklahoma, like, look, you've got to be better. At, at the end of the day, you know... Why does Cincinnati deserve... Give me a case, Connor. What does Cincinnati deserve? That's a top it's 10 win the, on the it's road. It's not the most deserving teams either. The, the college football playoff committee made it clear when they came out, we are not to put in the top four deserving teams. We are to put in the top teams, four right? best teams. Right. I don't know. I'm going to be very disappointed if, if Cincinnati goes undefeated throughout the remainder of the season and they don't get in. We already knew it's rigged, but you know they're just going to prove it this year. It's rigged. It's rigged. I mean, you got the two SEC teams yeah. up there. You got an eight. No. Take like that at the end of the show. You can't get argued. Yeah, it's rigged. <laughs> Sports fan 970.97.1 FM WATH. Thanks for listening in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Seventy-second year of serving Southeast Ohio. AM nine seventy and ninety-seven point one FM. W A T H Athens.